Do you recall a day where everything clicked into place, where the world seemed to move in perfect harmony and every task flowed effortlessly? Introducing you to London Nootropics, adaptogenic coffee blends, thoughtfully crafted to elevate and balance your day, delivering all the perks of your beloved coffee, plus the incredible benefits of adaptogens, which also help to dial down those less than loved side effects like jitters, anxiety, and that all too familiar crash. A premium mix of medicinal mushroom extracts and other potent adaptogens, each blend is targeted for a specific purpose depending on what you need. Flow enhances your mental clarity and focus. Zen is your go-to for stress, relief and balance. And Mojo offers that clean, natural energy lift. It's the synergy between caffeine and adaptogens that works wonders, allowing us to relish the caffeine buzz without the drawbacks, ensuring a smooth, sustained energy flow. My top pick is the Zen Blend. It's a lifesaver for those of us who are caffeine sensitive and not to mention comes in the most charming packaging. So why not elevate your coffee experience with London New Tropics? Discover the perfect blend, find your flow and enjoy an exclusive 20% discount with the code SaturnReturns at LondonNewTropics.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. Today I'm joined by Francesca Oddi, who is an astrologer from London. And in this episode, we dive into the importance of the big three, your Saturn return, which is especially important right now, because if you were born between March the 7th, 1994 and March 24, 1996, you will have just gone into your Saturn return as Saturn moves into Pisces. So this episode is going to be particularly important for you. We also touch on the importance of nodes. Now, this is something that I have been working on as we've been doing our courses for Saturn returns and how your nodes help in discovering your purpose. We touch on numerology, which is something that I can't, if I'm honest, really get my head around. But Francesca explains it and she speaks about this very well. We also touch a little bit on astrocartography. So this is really for the astrology esoteric lovers out there to start this season on. I hope you enjoy. Pausing this for a moment because I've got something exciting to share. Today's episode is brought to you by London Nootropics, the masters of crafting adaptogenic coffee blends that don't just taste heavenly, but they also boost your energy the right way. Now we all love that zesty kick from caffeine. It snaps us awake by outsmarting those sleepy adenosine receptors in our brain. But here's the kicker. Caffeine can hike up our cortisol, giving us the jitters or anxiety, particularly if you're like me and caffeine sensitive. But that's where the magic of adaptogen steps in. These natural heroes level out our cortisol, smoothing the energy boost from caffeine without the downsides. Plus, while caffeine tends to rush in and fade away, leaving you crashing, adaptogens extend that energy, keeping you vibrant without reaching for another cup. So if you want to find your most productive self with Lion's Mane and Rhodiola in their flow blend, Cordyceps in Mojo is known to increase our aerobic capacity, oxygen flow and boost ATP. So it's perfect before a run or workout or when you're feeling fatigued. So if you're intrigued and you want to dive deeper into their blend secrets and discover which adaptogens sync with you, try visiting their website. And because you're part of the Saturn Returns family, enjoy a special 20% off at London Nootropics Adaptogenic Coffee with the code SATINRETURNS. Enjoy! 
Francesca, welcome to the Saturn Returns podcast. You are my first guest that is in my home where we have created a little chat show for Saturn Returns. So welcome. This is cool. Thank you for having me. It's my tea. How are you doing? I honestly <laughs> be honest. This podcast is all about honesty. Uh, quite. I woke up at three. Had a really weird night, so I'm a little bit dazed. Okay, we'll go easy today. <laughs> yeah, but it could be it's kind of hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> be extra honest. Like, oh god. Yeah, sometimes no filter. that's good. Mm. Um, and for the audience that doesn't know, would you be able to explain a little bit about who you are and what you do? I am. An astrologer, primarily. Then I got into numerology and I did a little bit of tarot and Reiki and herbal medicine and all the stuff, but I overwhelmed myself with my Gemini placements and I'm an astrologer. So I teach astrology and do consultations and obsess and thinking charts and interrogate people. <laughs> I love that, <laughs> interrogate people. How did you find your way into astrology? I was always into it, like a lot of people who were, you know, I was as a child and then at school a little bit more. And at uni, I had a boyfriend who bought me a, because I was, I went out with two guys at uni and they both. At the same time? <laughs> Succession, you know, first okay. year uni, how it is. Like, I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> Gemini placements. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Another story. But yeah, anyway, so I saw this pattern in, in, and I started to see patterns a lot and was going on about astrology and he bought me a book. And then eventually I lived in Italy and the Italians generally know their rising sign. They just know it more than we know it in the UK. Like guys will say, but what's, you know, what's your other sign? So I started to be able to work out people's rising signs and I was just obsessed, Googling, Googling, Googling. But it never occurred to me to be an astrologer ever in a million years. I didn't know it was a job. I didn't know it was a thing. It was just like Mystic Meg and that was it. And eventually I was at a networking event for property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met a psychic who was combining her interior design. She'd got an interior design qualification with being a clairvoyant. And she'd be like, come in and do your colors and do your home. And we got chatting at the networking event like Thursday night. I had a glass of wine. Like, Oof, quite tired actually. And then she blew my mind, told me my whole life. And... And then we went to get our coats and I was like, when's your birthday? Were you born at 8 p.m.? She's like, yeah, how do you know what time I was born? So then I'm like psychicking the psychic. And it's wow. because she's a Taurus and I have a thing for Taurus, sunset Tauruses, which you are really. Which I am, yeah. yeah. But more the rising Scorpio, she's rising Scorpio. And, and I just felt that. And then she said, you're going to be an astrologer, you've done it in all your past lives and you're going to write books, but not till you're about 40. Oh and I was gosh. like, What? <laughs> How are you doing this? And she was talking to my spirit guides, which I was like, why are they here? So what were you doing before that in terms of your career? Insurance. Insurance, wow. Fanbiz. Because I often think that people that I meet that are astrologers or into this kind of thing, like people get it as if it's relearning a language that they already knew at some point. And personally for me, I love it, but I cannot quite grasp it to that degree that like you know Nora who does a lot of the astrology for Saturn Returns and other people I've met so I'm always really fascinated by people that find it and it is like rediscovering something they already knew which it sounds like it was for you yeah 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 I'd been I'd been searching for it my whole life 
big time. Like with, with my degree, with everything, I'd really been looking for my career. I really wanted to work. I've got, I've got a freakishly, I always say this, but then anyway, I've got a really good memory for dates. And so my friends always used to test me and be like, what happened on the 10th of March, 2000? And I'd be like, I remember. And they'd be like, what, can, what are you going to do with this memory? Everyone was always saying, what are you going to do with this memory of yours? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I really, I really didn't know. And I was sad about it because I wanted to be good. You know, in your 20s, everyone's getting jobs. What did you do? What did I do before this? Yeah. I was in music. Before that, I was in TV. I, I mean, my 20s were filled with chopping and changing careers. I started a fashion line when I was like 25. And by the end of my 20s, I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And it mm. was really when I went through my Saturn return that I was like, this is interesting. This mm. is a wild ride. Mm. And then just started talking about my own experience. And then strangely, that became my thing. Mm. Makes sense with all the Neptune and all the Pisces. Well, yeah, I want to get into that because Sorry. before we started recording, <laughs> I was having to resist, especially with where I'm feeling at the moment. I'm like, don't turn this into your own therapy session, <laughs> but also tell me everything. But before we get into that, because there's two things that you've said that I want to explore, one on a more personal level, but you just touched on the importance of the rising sign and how when you were in Italy, yeah. that was something that people would yes. ask you because there's a history in that isn't there because it was mainly the one that people would look to before the sun sign and then it sh didn't it shift when it kind of became more popular or being put into like newspapers and stuff like I don't that know, actually honestly yeah I I've kind of heard I've heard that people say things but I don't I haven't researched that but it make I don't know why the Italians all know their rising sign I really I don't know well, for people that don't know that much about astrology, would you be able to explain the kind of importance of, I guess, the big three? The big three, so that would be your sun, moon and rising, mm -hmm. are the parts of your character that are really clearly like, whoa, obvious. And your sun is your identity. It's your masculine archetype, if if you want to go with that, as in it's, you know, the active, what you want to put out into the world, what you want to create, what you want to make, what you want to do. Whereas your moon sign would be more how you want to live, how you love, how you want to nourish yourself, how you eat, your diet, your body, your physicality. And then the two meet and are expressed through the rising sign. And the rising sign is how we interact with the world. It's that interface. How we move through the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how, how do we go into new situations? How do we speak interact because mm -hmm. a lot of people will message me or I think that are interested in astrology and they just perhaps say they don't resonate with their sun sign mm. and I think that's always a good place you know obviously it can go into so much more depth but to start with because it makes up a bit more of the tapestry of a person's personality and also how how we're supposed to operate and move through the world that helps us kind of know how to navigate certain things. Yeah. So within that, I mean, before we started recording, you, you clearly knew that I was a Pisces moon or you could, <laughs> it was obvious, but why was it obvious? Um, well, initially I just felt quite relaxed about coming here. It, it, you, obviously I've been emailing uh, Sydney and it was 11 a.m. start, but I could feel it wasn't a hard 11. And I was in my Uber and I was five minutes late and I was like, she's definitely not going to care. Nothing's a hard start <laughs> with me. <laughs> because some people like, say 11 and you feel like I've got to get there. And I was like, she means 11-ish. 
<laughs> and then when I got here, you're like, oh, I've had tech issues. And I was like, yeah, I could feel this wasn't going to be stressy. <laughs> you know, makes me think this, um, this girl I met recently, she... She said to me, she was like, you're like Jessa from Girls. I was like, why? And she was like, when she turns up at a dinner party at like 11 p.m. And, and the girl was like, I asked you to come for eight. She was like, I thought it was a suggestion. <laughs> and I am a bit like that. Everything's got a lot of leeway. Yeah, a lot of Neptune. Like the girl, I did a podcast yesterday with a girl born March 89. And, and I kept saying Neptune. She's like, what are you on about? But, is, but it makes sense. You do dance and film and fashion and pub, uh, broadcasting and spirituality. But you very you move in that Pisces, Neptunian realm. Free flow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes to my detriment, I would say. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why my Saturn return was so... Savage. Was so it? Sa- it was pretty savage. And I kind of want to get into that next Mm. because obviously the podcast is centered around Saturn return and based really off my own experience. But then now we're moving into time where people that are about to go through their Saturn return that are in Pisces, Mm. right? Mm. And so I would love to kind of explore the differences between, let's say, me who went through it a fair few years ago now, which Mm. is kind of crazy, in the sign of Capricorn, Mm. and then like how... Does that manifest differently for people? Yeah. And also, so my Uber driver here had Saturn in Sag, conjunct Uranus. Right. And Uranus is a planet that rules Aquarius. And I I was just getting Aquarius vibes from him. And I was just listening. Can you tell? Yeah. When you meet people, what sign they are? Saturn, yeah. I can now, but only in the past two, three years, probably. So when you asked me about the big three, initially I'd be like, I can see your sun sign. I can, I can see your rising sign. And I can see your moon and then I stopped being able to see Mars and Venus now I can see Saturn and I really feel that Saturn is who we are deep down it's our Saturn is bones it's the structure of our life it, you know all these things you know but I'll say it anyway and and when we mature we do become that we become that Saturn and this guy who was he had so many opinions he I didn't speak he just lectured me on everything and I loved it he was so interesting but he was very free thinker he loved being an uber driver because he hated being employed he's like I take lunch when I want I go on holiday when I want I was like hey I hear you I hear you and he had all these opinions on politics and health and med- he just had opinions and he was so into freedom and it, I could hear that and with you guys particularly the 1989 ones so you've got Saturn in Capricorn but you've also got Neptune in Capricorn really really close to Saturn and the Berlin Wall came down around when mm-hmm. you were born. And if Saturn is walls, walls were dissolved the year you were born. And I've got, I've got a lot of good friends born your age. And I, one of my good friends, I was always like, why are you so Pisces? You know, she, she wasn't. She's a, she's a Gemini and she's got Saturn in Capricorn and the moon in Taurus. I'm like, why are you like this? Mm. Why are you so kind of relaxed in, in your own land, kind of wearing odd socks? Like, why are you a, why are you a Pisces? <laughs> and into a lot of them are, you guys are into dance. You're all very free-flowing, you know, dreamy types. And I think it's because the Neptune's there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really part of your guys' flavor, that you are really spiritual beings. You live in an abstract world where you feel things and you're sensitive and you're, you live, th- and particularly with your, north node and your moon in pisces because i just looked you're full on full on fish i have north node and 
Oh yeah, I do. No, I do. You're right. You're right. I do. Which brings me to another point. But before I kind of divert, yeah, you have to hold that, me. Yeah. yeah, I have to hold myself <laughs> yeah. too. So the um, 1989 because of that Neptune. Mm. That because I also resonate probably the most with my Pisces moon, mm. and I always gravitate towards Pisces as well. I, mm-hmm. I just that's kind of, but that's my internal world as well. Mm. But you're saying that also because of. The Neptune. The Neptune. And that's just recently, last year as well, working with people who were your age and being like, why are they all so Pisces? Mm. And and it's interesting that the Uber driver here also had a really tight conjunction between Saturn and Uranus. And all I got from him was the Aqu- like Aquarius, 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 because Uranus rules Aquarius. And it's a nice synchronicity that then you've got Saturn and Neptune and it's is this is really something I'm thinking about at the minute, and that's why everybody's Saturn return is unique. But the 1988 have a very strong freedom, science, liberation, rebellion energy, and the 1989 are very deeply sensitive, mystical, spiritual, um, yeah, feel. Mm-hmm. You feel a lot in their feels. Mm-hmm. And what about those that are about to go into their Saturn return with Saturn in Pisces? They are. Re- they were the people who started coming for readings when they were about 24. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, you lot are advanced. They all had their tarot cards. They all knew a lot. Because uh, my generation, Saturn and Sag, your generation, we were all like, what's the Saturn return? <laughs> you yeah. know, like we get to 30 yeah. and we discover this thing and we're like, oh. Whereas the Saturn and Pisces lot have, have known. Yeah, They've they're been, ready. They're really ready. Yeah. Some of them are. I imagine it'll be 50-50 like with all Saturn returns and the ones with Saturn, some of them will just be diving into this spiritual career. But I think we are, again, my taxi driver, synchronicity, he was really like, I'm just, he was brushing his teeth with an olive branch, I told you, didn't I? Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you get olives and, and we scratch our teeth. I was like, I don't use any chemicals. That's what we all do. It's great. In my country, 95% of people don't get cancer, don't get heart disease, don't get diabetes. We're all healthy. He's like, it's all money and everything's corrupted here. It's like, I want the world to get back to natural ways. I really want the world to understand that it's not about money. And I was literally doing this on a podcast yesterday, ranting, saying exactly the same thing. And I think that this Saturn in Pisces shift for the collective will be moving to natural medicine and part of what's happening with the collapse of health services at the minute and the pressure on the health service is that we we need alternative medicine as well because of course we need the nhs for emergency medicine and operations and you know all the things that we need hospitals Mm -hmm. for but but a lot of time is taken up with things that can be treated alternatively and i think the saturn and pisces lot have that skill set and will be practicing herbalists, homeopaths, psychotherapists, craniosacral therapists. Um, I think we'll be understanding how when we are spiritually sick, we become physically sick. Part of my Saturn return was a bad shoulder. I, I was having injections in my, steroid injections in my shoulder because I was in pain and I read this amazing book by Dr. John Sarno called Healing Back Pain, The Mind-Body Connection and thousands of people, I've given it to four people, all who have said this book's incredible, changed my life, symptoms gone and the idea is that all our emotional pain goes to a point in the body because we are more able to deal with physical pain 
than emotional pain. Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect this conversation to go in this direction, but now <laughs> that it, it is, no, yeah. but now that it is, let's, let's free flow with it because it's, um, at the same time, I understand what you're saying, but the, it, I was looking at something yesterday and it was about how many people are on Adderall, which is, I think, um, in the last four years or like five years, it's kind of gone from, you know, 2019 sort of 9 million or I could be getting this quite wrong but now in 2023 it's at 40 million and what's it for it's for concentration and focus so Adderall is taken for ADHD and I mean that's just one example of of many in terms of the way that in the western culture we still apply this pill for every ill mentality and you go to the doctor and you're like I'm struggling with this and they rarely actually look holistically at the whole body the emotional state and stuff like that so I do feel like we are due a shift Mm -hmm. and we can also see in recent years how much you know I think that kind of mentality has gone against us really Mm -hmm. in in yeah Mm. but we've all been there I think and like I, I said this on the pod yesterday it's awkward to talk about because we're saying with antidepressants, 17% of the UK are on antidepressants and they're not depressed because they've got an antidepressant deficiency. Mm-hmm. There is something else. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do or I've been depressed. I know what it's, I've been there and you will do anything to get out of that. But we, we've been told that the solution is pills and mm-hmm. we've forgotten that changing lifestyle or changing something or sitting with the pain for a while because like your Saturn return is a bit depressing depression is a characteristic of the Saturn return it can be it's some people it's great you get married and have a dog some people it's like you're really off piste you're quite (laughs) depressed now you know sort your life out you you know you need to realign and get back on track yeah like being in detention by a teacher who's like look I see your potential but (laughs) going out every Friday and getting pissed is not gonna solve it Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that was my experience of it. But I just, I think we're going to get there. And I think that could be what Saturn in Pisces brings is more these young people who are very sensitive with Saturn in Pisces. If Saturn is who you are deep down, they are artistic. They, are, they, they can see auras. Maybe they can't yet, but they have this potential. And a lot of Saturn in Pisces people I know, uh, they saw visions and things when they were young. Maybe you did as well. People with a lot of Pisces in their chart often tell me, you know, oh, when I was seven, I used to see fairies or I used to see, I I used to see spirits, Mm -hmm. but then I squashed it because it scared me and then it comes back at their Saturn return. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. Mm. I squashed a lot of that intuitive knowing that slightly psychic energy because also it was weird, weird. Yeah, and it would freak people out. But it was never something, perhaps because I never um, really harnessed it, but it was always just really random, insignificant things. Um, And then also I would have a lot of stuff that I feel like I'm definitely tapping back into, but with dreams. Mm. So for me, asking my dreams, you know, the answer to things, and it gives me very, very clear messages. Sometimes not the messages I want. (laughs) But um, yeah, I'm learning to kind of, reclaim that yeah but we we mentioned a second ago you were discussing you went on to sort of north nodes and south nodes and I find this quite an interesting topic in terms of 
for people listening that are struggling with purpose mm. and kind of direction and having those kind of questions that often come during your Saturn return about like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? How can they use that or how do you apply that for people kind of getting a deeper sense of clarity over the direction that they're supposed to be going in and what aspects they need to kind of enhance or perhaps be wary of (laughs) yes the south node um and some people argue that you need to integrate your south node and you do you need to be aware of it anyway so the nodes are points in space where the the path of the moon around earth crosses with the path of earth around the sun the ecliptic so when everything's lined up and you get the eclipses they're the nodal points don't really need to know what they are but that's what they are points in space the north node is your destiny it's where you're going to and you want to cultivate the traits of that and you want to kind of move away from the traits of your south node or be aware of the traps that you fall into when you're triggered hungry hormonal tired emotionally distressed and jan spiller is my favorite book on the nodes it's it's thick and you there's a lot on each of the topics i read for houses as well if you know your house i think the the house of the north and south node are really relevant but there's this information there that is crucial a lot of us i've read that astrologers say you could just do a reading of the nodes you can look at the north node and get some absolute clarity about what you're supposed to be doing what your skills your potential is and also really you know this south node is a point where you can fall into and go into victim mode and really sit there and wallow in that south node and you don't want to so it's quite nice to know when you're getting trapped into it and also when you look at that from a relationship astrology perspective as well that certain people if if their sun sign or they've got planets that sit on your south node they're gonna like pull you back into that interesting because mm. my south node virgo is it? Yeah. yeah and then my north node is pisces so essentially that means that pisces is the direction in which i'm heading you need in. to let go <laughs> okay yeah with with north node pisces i don't know which house it's in i didn't look second or third probably third maybe sure. i'll look in a minute um but with Pisces, you want to be the free-flowing Pisces. It's really important for you to stop micromanaging. With the South Node in Virgo, your bad habit would be like, I can control everything <laughs> with my anxiety <laughs> and my herbs. I know, because I spoke to Nora about it. I was like, but I'm so not a Virgo. She was like, perfectionist, yeah. controlling everything. I was like, okay. 50 Brazilian herbs in a nice row. <laughs> that to be fair is Sydney who is a Virgo who's put them into a oh, she's keeping throat. you in the south node nice <laughs> you, is it Sydney an early Virgo or Sid August or September September okay so not exact because um, yeah you, you're like I think one degree but you want to integrate that you do want to integrate your Virgo-ness for sure so how do people integrate the, the good so bits, you, 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 the Virgo, being the organized, organized, healthy, eating properly, moderation, all of that. But you'd be wary of with a Virgo South Node, perhaps a past life, they would argue, where you were responsible, where you're a medicine woman and you're responsible for people. And if you gave them too much of the wrong herb, everything would go wrong. So this is really extreme anxiety about getting things right. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, and, and not playing 
not playing God, not being in control of everything and not micromanaging the universe, Virgo South Node, not Virgo in general, but the South Node energy of Virgo where the bad habits of that kind of hyper anxiety about getting everything just right. Yeah. And you want to move to that North Node in Pisces, which is quite easy for you because your moon's there as well. Mm -hmm. And be like, okay, I trust the universe. I'm just a speck in the cosmos and I'm going to let go and let things happen and let things flow and I'm going to share and because you've got a moon north node together not that tight but still they're both there really about doing feminine things working with the moon sharing information the other thing that I wanted to discuss with you that we've actually not had anyone come on the oh, podcast yeah. and talk about there are two things there are two okay. things one numerology okay completely pretty much foreign to me so because you said six. I didn't yeah what does you just said, looked at me and you said six I was like uh okay. classic <laughs> what do you mean six um I if I add your date of birth up it would and I reduced it all down would get to six how does that happen uh one plus five yeah first of May yeah and then 1989 I know is a nine because the 80s are really easy so 1989 one plus nine plus eight plus nine, if you add it up, adds up to 27. Two plus seven is nine. I'm not great at maths, but... <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds I know, legit. I'm speaking to a Neptunian. They're like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite dyslexic. The Neptunians. Maths, I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what does, that, what does that actually mean? Um, what does it mean? So each number... In numerology, you always just reduce down. So you add up the date of birth and, and, and keep adding. Like, you know, I got 27 and 2 plus 7 is 9. You always just keep adding until you get a digit, unless it's 11 or 22. Because they're master, master numbers. Okay. You know, 1, 1, 2, 2. Numerology loves a repeating number. When I got in the Uber to come here, the ETA was 1, 1, 1, 1. I know. I did see, I think you messaged it around that time yeah I was like, oh like, that's nice yeah <laughs> again like so free Aww. oh is that lovely <laughs> it's like gonna be late but cool <laughs> um so yes so a one is a bit like an aries if you think about one that it's a singular energy it looks singular it's like bolt upright gets going a two is quite service orientated humble bows down Three is the number of joy. Four is about structure. If you look around you, everything, all the fours, the walls, the doors, everything. Fours are very structure and organized, uh, uh, you know. Five is about change. It's half straight and half curvy and it goes in all different directions and it's quite random. I met a five on Saturday. She was doing a tasting in the health food store. She's like, oh yeah, well, I live in Scunthorpe, but then we've got a farm down here, farm down here. And I work in sales. I was like, and then she's like, what do you do? I was like, you sound like a five. And she's like, how do you know? And I was like, because you've just got this weird life where you're all over the place. Fives tend to operate like that. Six is the honeycomb, you know, hexagonal. So as a six, it's all community and friends and being nice. Six looks like a pregnant lady. So six is all responsible and looking after everyone and putting more effort into your friendships than everyone else. And just very caretaking and community focused and a bit artistic as well. Seven is spiritual number, seven chakras, seven colors in the rainbow, seven days in the week, like God's number. So sevens are very, they tend to be teachers and researchers and often their own gardeners in nature. They need to be in nature thinking and they are hashtag spiritual. Mm -hmm. 
bit, bit of a Pisces-ish vibe. Then the eight is money. A lot of people know that because the Chinese love the number the eight. So eight is money and power, like banking and private members clubs and designer clothes. And then the nine is humanitarian. So again, like the six, but upside down, caring for people, quite emotional, quite wise, end of a cycle. And the 11 is a higher vibration of two. And the 22 is a higher vibration of four. So the ele- What does that mean? So the 11 is like the two. The two is very sensitive and caring. The, the 11 is very sensitive. If you know anyone born on the 11th, my text driver is born on the 11th. He's, he's very um, well thought out, extremely, extremely sensitive to their environment. They're, they tend to have a natural psychic ability. Again, very Pisces. The so seven and the 11 have that Neptunian feel. So people can work that out by adding together basically the day they were born and the month they were born. And yeah. And the year. Okay. D-O-B. Yeah. Date of birth. And then there's loads to numerology, like with astrology. So your life path number, your main number is is what that is your total but then there's the month the day of the month you were born on so you're born on the first so you have some one energy independent do things on your own born on the first yes you know it's like fresh fresh energy and then you do you can do your name so every letter has a corresponding number a b c one two three okay we won't go no we won't go there i honestly i do find numerology as a subject quite perhaps that's just my people are scared of numbers I'm a little bit scared of numbers. A lot of people are. I'm not scared. Just you they're know, just math. like Ugh, numbers. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that I'm, you know, really quite interested in, but know very little about, is astrocartography. So, for those that don't know, can mm. you explain what astrocartography is? Yes. So, astrocartography is putting your birth chart over the globe, uh, or Another way of thinking about it is to, it's quite a literal manifestation of your birth chart. So, when you were born, the sun was somewhere. So, you were born uh, just before sunset, I guess. I was born, my dad says I was born at 6.20 p.m. And in, so that's, yeah, just before sunset in May, probably. Sunset's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, eight. Mm-hmm. And, but, if you wanted to perhaps go to your sun sign, so what we do in astrocartography is put lines over the over the globe, over the map, and all the all the different points in your birth chart are transposed onto the map, and what they are depicting is where the sun was at the zenith, at the top of the sky, where it was at the bottom of the sky, where the sun was rising and where the sun was setting. So at any given moment, somewhere, the sun is rising. Like right now, the sun is rising somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and the sun rising is about you coming out into the world, you meeting the world. It's literally on your rising sign. If you're born, and we, we already spoke about what the rising sign is. So if you have the sun rising, then it adds to a sunny persona to you. It gives you almost a Leo feel and you are well received and you're generous and you're outgoing. So you can go to the part of the world now and you can go to where the sun was rising when you were born. And the astrocartography map shows you that. And then when you go there, you experience that energy. Because mm, just for to add, because this can probably yeah, it's confusing, feel like quite yeah. an overwhelming concept if people aren't familiar with it but it's basically you know when people travel and they have a certain feeling or energy when they go to a place and it might be 
that they just feel like they've been there before, a thousand times yeah, before yeah. or they go and they feel well no, this is not not dodgy. right for me but yet they could be traveling with someone that's having completely polar time. opposite yeah. experience and so astrocartography is so fascinating because it allows you to actually see like mm-hmm. what and I I'm gonna butcher it because I can't quite remember exactly what it was but I had um someone come on to talk about human design and we ended up discussing about places and astrocartography came up and it was the first time I'd really heard about it and I was saying how much of a connection I had with Australia and Sydney and she was like I bet you have a line that goes (laughs) through it and she literally it goes like bang through Sydney Sydney. I think it's my MC But how how can because obviously when they look at it online and even for myself it feels like whoa this is it's a lot it's a bit like looking at a chart when you don't know it's like what does this all mean mm. how can people actually you know what are they going to be looking out for specifically that they can take away if they are having that kind of desire to, to travel go. yeah I think obviously there's always that caution thing like don't make massive decisions like when I was in my twenties before as a proper astrologer. And I'm a Sag and I like two boys. One was a Sag and one was a Virgo. And I was like, well, I need to be with a Sag because that's more compatible than the Virgo. But that was an ignorant thing to do because I have the moon in Taurus. So the Virgo goes very well. So, yeah, there's always like, don't make mad decisions. But I remember like first hearing about astrocartography a few months into properly becoming an astrologer. And you just want to get the map and look at it and be like, where are my lines? Because we all have a place like you have with Sydney and I had with Rome. Like, why? What is, I want to see my lines because there's got to be a line. Yeah. So you can go on astro.com and go on astro click travel. And it's really good because you just click on, you know, use the mouse and click and it gives you a little bit of feedback about this place brings you luck. This place is good for work, but not good for making friends. This place is, will feel like home, but you won't be that sociable. So you can get an idea. That's the thing. Like, do you want to go and become better at work and, and be more visible? Maybe your business would be more visible if you were yeah, in Sydney or something. But maybe you want to go and live somewhere and feel really at home. Mm-hmm. You want to go to the moon. Or maybe you want to go and write. A lot of writers, you know, they want to go and tune into their Mercury. But it's, you're always working with your own birth chart. Kieran Devlin, who I studied with, he, he wrote a great blog on his on this and he went to his Venus line, but he has a Venus Saturn aspect in his birth chart. So he went and sat at a table and everyone else was in couples and he was on his own because his Venus was still being Saturned. What does how does that Well, if if Saturn is about hard work and loss and, and, and lack and you know being feeling lonely or maybe having not feeling good enough because Saturn's there being like you could be more attractive you could have you could be earning more money you know you could be mm-hmm. there Saturn's Saturn's undermining his natural Venusian attractiveness or at least self-esteem if Venus also informs your self-esteem so when you go to that Venus line if your personal Venus is challenged in your birth chart then you're going to meet that challenge literally in the world very Wow. Okay. Mm. And on that subject, because we actually haven't really explored it that oh, much. Oh, yeah, we haven't. Of, <laughs> of Venus, love. of yeah. love, and how, you know, what people should look out for and kind of how, you know, Venus manifests in the chart. Uh, Venus is a favourite topic of mine, particularly at the minute, and with all the relationship stuff. I think because, like I already told you at the very beginning, it was my boyfriends and it was my relationships that really made me want to, like a lot of people, get into astrology and understand it. And Venus tells us so much about 
self-esteem and what we're attracted to and how we value ourselves. And when it comes to compatibility, it, it is a major consideration. How come? Um, because she's what you love. And so you will be dating your Venus and meeting your Venus and attracting your Venus a lot. It's the whole chart. It is your seventh house and your sun and your moon. But there is something to her. And also what's really interesting, I think it's been a bit of a discourse for women on Instagram and maybe men. But the, over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of self-esteem, loads of money chat, hasn't there? All these mm -hmm. money courses and learning. Mm. To, and that's all Venus. That's uh, Really? Yeah. Why is that Venus? Because Venus is how we value ourselves. Okay. And it, she's our currency. She's our talent. She is part of it. Nothing in the birth chart is like chopped up and held in isolation. But still, there is something to Venus that you want to really nurture your particular Venus sign and aspects in house because she, if you are, if you feel good about yourself, Mm -hmm. Then you charge what you're worth and you don't waste time in relationships that are clearly going nowhere. That's all about your Venus. So it's more about the self than it is love in a way. Well, it's the mirror. If The Venus symbol is the, is the mirror, you yeah. know, and, and it's the hand mirror and it's ruler of Libra and rule of Taurus. And there's a lot of I'm attracted to you because you remind me of me, mm -hmm. that. And also, yeah, if you, if you can't be in a healthy relationship with someone else unless you've got a healthy relationship with yourself. And that translate is very evident in how you look after yourself and, and all the rest of it. It's a really broad and interesting discourse, as is the other side of Venus, which is envy and jealousy. Because Venus was very jealous mother-in-law in myth. If you look at the myth of Venus Aphrodite, she was like, top babe, liked being top dog, did not like a threat to her status mm -hmm. at the top. Yeah. And that's also a really interesting part of female dynamics, relationship dynamics. What Liz Green wrote a lot on, or at least what I've read, is that very real envy within families where the young daughter is attractive and the mother's feeling displaced and there, mm. it's always been there. And mm. it's natural and it's not, that um, must be something people would feel a lot of shame around. Exactly. And, there's, and it's not mutually exclusive with love. But there is envy within families. Envy between siblings, but also mother. And it's all Freudian, Oedipal, Electra. You can go right in there if you want. And it's natural. And I think we are competitive. It, again, reading about nature, we are competitive. But we're supposed to be civilised. And denying that competition might be unhealthy as well because there's been a lot of <sighs> undermining of that very natural feeling I think with, with anything like when you feel angry what do you not deny the anger or do you go okay no I understand why I feel like this okay I'm gonna move that along and with envy it's not necessarily an if you feel envious of someone an idea that, okay, that means that you want to be like them. It can just be, it can just be like, that looks really nice. <laughs> I would like to have that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's for you. I think because I think it's quite corrosive as well, this idea that, oh, if you're triggered by that, that means that you want to go and have it. It's like, no, we're all unique. What, what we want is to shine in our own way. Yeah. And to empower people to do that. And not because of a lot of marketing, a lot of the way we are 
held or the way society is shaped, isn't it? Like you got to, at the minute, like do your lips and do your eyebrows and, blah, blah, blah. and we are sold to, sold to, sold to that this is an ideal. And, you know, like... And it's kind of a one thing. You yeah. Know, that we're kind of to- told that that is the ideal of, of beauty, but it creates this kind of clone-like thing. Yeah, it's really, when you think about it, quite... Your trends are always there because the planets are always doing trends for us. Like Saturn will move into Pisces and we'll have a new trend. But it's like, can you own your unique bit? Can you be, can you own your own Venus and not get sucked into the trends? I think. How do people do that? Well, it's, it's being true to yourself and, and know, know what your Venus wants. If your Venus is in Virgo. Mine's in Taurus. So in Taurus, she wants all the nice stuff, the nice luxury, uh, like, 20 million things in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a pharmacy. That was there. a good tourist bathroom. <laughs> it, it, that, to be fair, my bathroom is a serious tourist bathroom. Like, like when I saw it, I was like, I'm home. This is it. <laughs> Big window, trees, and and now you've got, yeah, 50,000 products, yeah. which is classic Venus and Taurus. It's the, you know, the eye mask, the chocolates, the champagne. It's Lux. Venus rules Taurus. So she's... She's like face masks, manicured to the max. Like that's what she wants. Venus in Virgo values health and order and being organized and different things. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she's simpler, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But, but, but both are natural. But a Venus in Gemini wants variety and communication. And she wants to be able to show how intelligent she is and how multifaceted she is and she can travel and pick up the language really quick and you know chat to everyone and that makes her feel good so it's about what what does your venus want and give her what she wants my venus in capricorn i love working interesting okay and how that's i think that's really useful for people as a takeaway and how can they kind of use it or be aware of it in matters of the heart when they are going Mm. into relationship what are the kind of things to you know as an individual to look out for or to be aware that they might need more of or less of? Yeah, like, um, so Venus in Capricorn is shy because Capricorn is shy, emotionally reticent. And and being aware of that, for instance, for me was really helpful because I feel that if I've said how I feel once, that was a big deal and it's done. But actually, you know, it's important to continue to communicate and I have to push that natural tendency to be like, to back away. Mm-hmm. because that's my natural being aware of your natural tendencies being aware of what you want but also where you can be a bit like over the top and yeah and it's what you what you need a venus in virgo like my sis is organized and clean and and she likes a plan and she needs to know that she's you know it's not pisces she needs to know that she's leaving at this time and coming back and when she was little if if she wasn't fed by six like it, it, it passed the routine. She just wouldn't eat because the Venus in Virgo needed the routine because Virgo needs routines and it's fundamental to who, she, who we are. Mm-hmm. And and in partnership, you're going to be looking to have that need, need met. But that's also your moon and all the stuff. But with mm-hmm. but if Venus does inform what we're attracted to. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And what we attract. Right. It's, the, it's the, yeah, the two-way. The two-way street. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Saturn Returns podcast. This has given me a lot of food for thought and I'm sure it has for our listeners too. And is there any kind of one final thing of advice, I guess particularly perhaps I would say for those that are about to go through their Saturn return? 
Look for the synchronicities. I think the universe is actually quite kind at the Saturn return. For, for me, you know, there was a lot going wrong, so to speak. But pe- strangers that I met on the train or the plane or a guy in the office who just gave me a book. I think mm. you need this book. The, the universe is really waking up. You're really waking up into a whole new phase, particularly those that are in Pisces. And it's happening for us all collectively. To start, look for the subtle magic and mm. the conversations because it's supportive even when you're going through transition and you feel empty and lost that you are on a journey and embrace yeah. embrace it I call them spirit guides yeah I remember actually when I was going through my Saturn return having yeah it was once I was had like a huge fight with my boyfriend at the time which was a relationship that I just so was not supposed to be in and I was I was he let me out the car put me out the car and I was on like a bench crying and this pregnant woman and everyone was just walking past me and this pregnant woman came over and just sat with me and just basically told me to leave my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) and it was just one of those things that just I mean it was just a very kind act from a stranger I didn't listen to her immediately (laughs) but she was right (laughs) and I always think that we we can get very heady you know we can get very stuck in in the pain of like what am I supposed to be doing like push 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 figure it out figure it out without actually noticing the synchronicities or the people you know that just appear in our life so I think that's a a beautiful thing to leave people with Mm. so thank you yeah and sitting with the pain is also part because we're kind of trained to run from the pain a bit aren't we but it's actually like you're experiencing life and it's so it yeah it's beautiful i hope you enjoyed this episode and this conversation between me and francesca i found it super useful and really interesting you know like i said in the conversation whenever i meet astrologers it's always this case of them remembering something rather than learning it it's like it's a language that's coming back to them and that very much comes across with Francesca what my kind of thoughts and feelings were after this episode was like to lean into your intuitive knowing your sort of psychic abilities and you know all this stuff around Neptune that I found so if you're my age if you're 33 about to be 34 you probably have a lot of Neptune as well and that can be in that sort of watery dreamlike space that can be a really powerful and beautiful thing but it also probably meant that your Saturn return was like a double whammy like mine was explains a lot anyway if you guys want to hear more from Francesca you can find her at Francesca Oddi Astrology on Instagram and thank you so much for listening as always and remember you are not alone goodbye <laughs>